0: Today on Ag News Daily... Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Mike Pearson here with today's edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney is out traveling. I believe she is headed to the northeast up to Albany, uh, New York, I think is where she's going today. Anyway, talked to her earlier at the airport and uh, flights were going well. Travel was going well. Hopefully for all of our listeners, you had a good weekend capped off by the Super Bowl. I know we've got a lot of our friends in the Midwest, particularly in the states of Missouri or perhaps Kansas, if you follow President Trump's uh, Twitter, who are big fans of the Kansas City Chiefs taking home the Super Bowl trophy for the first time in a long time. And I uh, know there's been a lot of discussion about the halftime show, which sadly I missed. I was I used that time to go run some errands. I, I didn't catch Shakira and Jayla, so I get to dodge that whole issue. But We continue doing stuff in the world of agriculture today. First and foremost, this morning saw the release of the U.S. export inspections and on the corn side, nothing too noticeable. We had uh, corn exports, corn exports come in at 562,000 metric tons in the range of analyst expectations, but definitely on the lower end. Trade expectations were for between five hundred to 700,000 metric tons. So, like I say, in the range, but not huge at all. Uh, soybean inspections were a little bit higher, um, basically, on China. Uh, Chinese demand had picked up, as we've discussed here on the podcast. They definitely booked a couple of cargos. They were getting close to signing that phase one deal, and those were counted. Um, total soybean inspections, so these are exports that actually moved off the docks, came in at 1.36 million up from 320,000 metric tons a week before so up a million metric tons in the week we definitely saw that reflected in the soybean market today as prices did have a little bit of a bounce which we'll get to in just a bit and uh, that was that was positive news there on the Soybean side. The other piece of news we had also came out of China, and it came out of China late last night, early this morning, depending on how you look at it, when their Lunar New Year came to an end. Uh, We talked about this last week. The Chinese government added three additional days to that Lunar New Year holiday because of fear of the coronavirus. The government's thought was we'll just keep everybody at home or wherever they traveled to. We don't want them in the office, we don't want them breathing on one another. So, you know, stay confined, basically. Well, today that came to an end and the markets reopened in China. Now, equity markets were down. We've seen that trend for the past several weeks. The big move happened in commodities. Across the board in China, at the open, commodities were hit hard. Everything from crude oil to copper to nickel to the ag commodities were hammered as Chinese traders really started to get more, or really, I guess, showed their concern that has been building over the past week while trading has not been allowed finally kind of came out into the open today earlier in the morning um, a lot of those chinese futures traded on the dalian exchange went limit down including um, copper iron ore and um, crude oil were all down the limit and uh excuse me soybean oil Palm oil and eggs also went limit down. Soybean futures were down substantially. Corn futures were down substantially. Weakness across the board in the ag commodities in China. Not a huge thought, huge shock. I don't think um, traders in the U.S. were pretty well anticipating this. Perhaps not the severity of the downward move as markets reopened, but certainly almost everybody was figuring that we were going to see more bearish reactions as. Uh, as China really kind of gets their footing and starts to put prices to the risk that has developed with this coronavirus. Quick update on the coronavirus, still have no cure, no vaccine. Although several companies have announced they are making progress on some potential uh, solutions to that issue, it does still continue to spread. I don't have new death tolls handy. Last I checked, about 350 people had died and outbreak continues to spread. Now, about 17,000 people in China are, excuse me, 17,000 people globally are confirmed to have it. And as we've discussed, that is probably a highly discounted figure since most of the coronavirus's symptoms look remarkably like the flu or pneumonia, and it has a two-week incubation period before symptoms even start to show. So odds are there's a lot of people out there with it. We either don't know they have it or they think they have something else. So that risk is going to continue to be in the markets for some time to come. Speaking of risk in the markets, we have talked for quite a while about the challenge the ethanol industry has been facing in 2000, or was facing, continues to face, or was facing in 2019. We'll start there. The challenges were so severe that... This was the first time since 2012 the ethanol industry as a whole has lost money since 2012. So basically, uh, our friend Scott Irwin over at the University of Illinois, their uh, school of economic or Ag Economics reports that um, the ethanol industry lost $1.6 million per plant. In 2019, that is a substantial loss, and it's like I mentioned, first time in what's the number? Eight years we've seen losses like this in the ethanol industry. Now 2020 could be a little bit of a different story. We are seeing some demand pick up for DDGs, which definitely helps ethanol plants profit margins. We could still see China step in and buy some ethanol to clean up their air quality and as a way to hit their uh, their import targets as part of Phase One. But we also saw China come out and not via the main government officials that we usually hear this thing from mostly from off the record sources. Chinese folks are saying, folks in power, I should say, are saying that the U.S. should be willing to be negotiable on those dollar targets in light of the coronavirus. We were a little concerned here at Ag News Daily when we didn't get those numbers in print from the Chinese confirmations of exactly how much they were going to purchase because we're worried that they might try to renege and scale those purchases back. Well, that certainly is what it appears they are setting a stage for over in Beijing. So we'll keep you updated. As of right now, nothing has changed, but it's one of those things that could definitely cause some trouble as we go forward. While we're talking losses, let's talk oil. Oil prices fell to their lowest level in more than a year today, again on coronavirus and particularly in the weakness on futures out of China as that spilled over into uh, the futures markets here in the West. Um, we saw Brent crude oil down three point eight percent today, and West Texas crude was down a buck forty five earlier today, though it did touch a session low of forty nine ninety one which is the lowest since January of two thousand and nineteen so that 's the the low price in more than a year. Oh and I think we talked about this on Friday, maybe it came out later on Friday after we recorded, but China. Not only are they still dealing with African swine fever and now the coronavirus, it was reported at the end of last week that they are seeing another outbreak of avian influenza. That H5N1 strain that caused so much trouble in China and the U.S. several years ago is back again. The last update I read, they've culled about 39,000 birds in one specific province, I don't have that information handy, but China is now battling that. This is raising some concerns about bean meal and corn demand going forward, as a lot of folks had pegged China's protein consumption on poultry. If they can't eat pork, poultry is the next most affordable option, they're probably going to go eat some chickens. We don't know if that's going to happen, we're concerned about where this is going. African swine fever is not just an issue in China however it continues to be an issue in Germany and uh, the German state has erected or excuse me German state of Brandenburg has erected about 75 miles of electric fencing to prevent wild boars from African swine with African swine fever from crossing the border from Poland we've talked a lot about ASF in regards to China they're not the only place that's dealing with it ASF has been prevalent in um, Eastern Europe for quite some time, and now the Germans are getting concerned that it might make its way over. Um, some of these farmers over there, this guy, Hans Christian Daniels, farms near the Polish border. His farm's got 11,000 pigs, and he says it's inevitable that we're going to get ASF. We need to be working on a cure, and of course, I think everybody in the hog industry agrees. It just doesn't seem like that cure is too close at hand. That does it in my roundup of the news for the day. Let's just talk markets here before we get off to our hashtag Market Monday segment. And our markets are brought to us by our good friends at AgMarket.net. Remember, their conference is coming up. Be sure to get on to Facebook and Twitter. Check them out. Look them up at AgMarkets.net and get yourself registered. We had mixed trade today in the grain markets. March corn was down two and a half cents at 378 and three quarters. May down two to finish at 384 and a half. In soybeans, the March up four and a half cents, closed at 8.77. Even the May up four to finish at 8.90 and three quarters. Over in Chicago, wheat also moved to the upside today. The March contract up one and three quarters at 5.55 and a half. The May up one and a quarter, finished at 5.53 and three quarters. Looking over at the world of livestock we 've got positive gains today in the cattle complex April live cattle up a dollar o five to close at one twenty seventy two fifty june up forty two half to finish at one twelve even feeder cattle the march yeah the march up fifty seven half to finish at one thirty six sixty five april up eighty two and a half close the day at one thirty eight thirty five and in lean hogs that april contract up a dollar twelve fifty to close at sixty two seventy two fifty the may up a dollar twenty-two and a half, finishing at seventy-one twenty-five. And looking over at dairy, a little bit of weakness today in the dairy complex. February down twenty-two cents. That volatility continues in that front month February contract, finished the day at sixteen ninety-two. With the March down thirty-seven cents to close at seventeen thirty-eight. With that, let's kick it off for our hashtag Market Monday. Well, folks, Mike Pearson here for your Hashtag Market Monday discussion today. The interview I recorded earlier did not save, or I missaved it, or I mislabeled it, or I did something terrible, and I can't find it. The good news is I get the chance to work with really, really smart people here at Zainer Ag Hedge, and I get the chance to bounce my crazy ideas and and thoughts off of them. So for today's Market Monday, I'm just going to tell you my thoughts. And these are thoughts that have been rounded and shaped by experts like our good friend Ted Seifert and frequent contributor Dan Hussey, who you can all reach here at Zaner at 312-277-0112. Without further ado, let's dive into it. The good news as we take a look to start the week is we've got the grain markets kind of coming off of their coronavirus scare. Now, we talked about this earlier. Commodities were down big in China today. That was definitely a weighing factor on the markets as we opened trade. Both corn and soybeans, excuse me, both corn and wheat, well, and soybeans, were down in the overnight uh, fairly substantially as really the only news to hit those commodities was the news of weakness in China. It was more of that coronavirus fear selling that we have seen over the past week and a half here in the U.S. markets. Now, the good news was all of that was recovered not long after the open. We saw the markets bounce back. We saw decent, as I mentioned, export sales. We are getting the stuff to leave the shores of the U.S. We're finding buyers overseas, which is great news. We're also continuing to see demand for ethanol be fairly strong. Even though I mentioned in the intro there in that news segment that ethanol plants had a dismal 2019, they are starting to pick up. We're hearing from a lot of folks out in the countryside that consistently, the best basis in a lot of people's neighborhoods is from the ethanol plant. They're out there. They're trying to get their hands on supply. And that is certainly working in the favor of uh, of particularly the corn market as we begin 2020. Now, uh, As we begin February 2020. I forget. We're already a month into it. Soybeans is a little trickier picture. Uh, soybeans did have a nice little rebound today, basically on the backs of that export news. And that is something... That is really going to be helpful if we can see it continue. Now, the wild card continues to be coronavirus. Not just the fear, which I think we've priced in and now we're starting to discredit. The question now is what's going to happen with actual demand? With, and I just checked, about 432 people have died globally from coronavirus. Um, not huge. I mean, it's terrible. I don't mean to to dismiss the fact that, you know, so many people have lost their lives, but certainly no worse than the flu in terms of death toll so far. The wild card remains. We don't know what this coronavirus is going to do. We don't know really what the mortality rate is yet. We don't know how many people have been diagnosed. There's still a lot of uncertainty. And if it does spread or becomes more lethal or is more lethal than we're aware of, we could actually start to see physical bean demand in China slow down. They have been very, very aggressive in rebuilding their hog herd. We did see, according to the Chinese government, hog herds stabilize in November and sow numbers begin to grow in December. Great news, but the Chinese government will obviously put the brakes on that if they start seeing substantial death due to this coronavirus. The other issue that we could see in soybean demand is this bird flu. So far, it's relatively contained. Uh, China seems to have been very quick in acting. They culled all the birds on the site where this H5N1 was found. But if it is going to spread, now we could potentially lose another batch of soybean demand um, from China. Would not be great news. And that would certainly be bearish longer term. As we sit today looking at the grain markets, really the big... The big loser is soybeans uh, from a technical perspective. Looking at the front month, that March contract of soybeans, we have pushed well down below the lows that we put in place in uh, early December. You know, Those lows were right around 383, 382. Excuse me. Whoa, that's terrible. 883, 882. I was getting my corn and, and soybeans mixed around. Sorry about that, everybody. 883, 882 is where we bottomed in December. You know, now we're trading down at 875. So we are trying to plumb new depths. We're trying to find a new low. And based on this last week's movement, maybe we found it. We saw start of, uh, of last week. Oh, excuse me. I'm looking at my Monday five minute charts. Let me look back at my five day chart. There we go. Wednesday of last week, we saw 901. Then we sold off substantially. Now in the overnights on Sunday, we put in a low at 868. We recovered today. If we can hold that low in place over the next couple of days, if we can test it, perhaps tomorrow, we could see that be supportive as we move forward. Everybody in the market is looking for a low. We are in oversold territory here in the soybean market. Positive export news. Continued strong domestic demand. We continue to see very strong crush in this country. Those things could all help prove that we are in... Uh, our bottom-setting territory, and maybe we're going to start moving back to the upside. On corn, we have also tested and... uh, Well, we've tested and we've held support in place. I've been watching that 378, 379 mark as a supportive level. We went below it today, looking again at the March contract, But by the close, we were able to rebound above it, but barely. The close today in March at 378.50 puts us right at that support level. Tomorrow's trade will be very, very determinate of what is to come. Can we hold that level? If we can, then I think we're broadly going to be in that same trading range, call it roughly 380 to 395. If we can't, if for some reason that level should fail tomorrow and we start looking at our next level of support, we've got to go all the way down to 370. So we could see another eight more cents to the downside there in that March contract. I just have a little bit of folks nervous. The trade is definitely going to be watching all of the technical traders, the algorithmic traders that buy based on chart signals are going to be keeping an eye on this thing tomorrow. I don't think we're going to see a lot of action in the corn market until the other traders, commercials particularly, move to set the direction one way or another. So stay tuned on corn. But there are going to be some concerns we have long standing. Wheat is a brighter picture. Wheat had a nice correction over the past 10 days. We saw the Chicago contract in particular pull back off its highs. We, you know, we peaked there not long after the new year. Well, here about a week ago at 592.5. You know, we've pulled back pretty substantially. We've had a 40 cents pullback in the last two weeks. Um, that's a decent pullback that's the kind of thing where a lot of profits were taken out that long 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 uh, upside move we had really that goes all the way back to uh, October November a lot of folks made a lot of money getting along the wheat market they've taken their ball and they've kind of gone home we've seen volume come down we've seen open interest come down we've seen a lot of those longs uh, get out of their positions and it does appear as though we're trying to find again a short-term bottom. The downtrend is still intact. As I look at the charts today, we are right at the very top of it. Uh, five fifty-five is about the top of my downward trending channel. So again, we're gonna have to watch tomorrow. If we bounce off that and come back down, if that resistance holds, then our our uh, our support line is probably going to be. I've got it about five forty-three. So Chicago could see more downside movement. But again, the overall concern that we're seeing with coronavirus is waning. The concerns that we still have globally about the wheat market or about the wheat uh, quality and condition and uh, just the sheer amount of wheat globally are still there. So there are still some very or at least somewhat bullish technical or fundamental factors in place that could help this wheat market push back to the upside jumping over to the world of livestock we had a nice turnaround monday today uh we we gave or excuse me we gained back most of uh friday's losses today and uh really finished very very strongly domestic demand is very strong when we saw both cattle and to a lesser extent well let's just talk cattle We saw cattle sell-off last week on the same coronavirus fears that had everybody scared. It was just a broad-based, risk-off sentiment in the markets. Cattle were no exception. The difference in the cattle market is that the demand for cattle has been driven by domestic purchases. It's the American consumer that's going out there and supporting beef at these price levels. And the American consumer, by and large, doesn't have coronavirus. So it's not really an issue for those of us in this country. And I think that's kind of what the market is catching on to. We also did have a slightly bullish uh, cattle inventory report released Friday from the USDA. It showed the number of cattle and uh, calves on pasture has come down from 2019's report, an indication that perhaps we have stopped growing this cow herd. Perhaps we have reached the top end of the beef uh, supply cycle. That would be good news for these markets. And in fact, I think we know that it was good news based on today's trading because it would show that this huge supply issue that has really been the bearish ceiling for the cattle markets might be coming to an end. It's going to take some time. Of course, the cattle life cycle is fairly long, so it's not an overnight panacea, but it's one of those things that, given the next several months, we should see demand begin to increase You know, as we get, we're talking medium term here into the summer. Grilling demand and so forth is going to grow. At the same time, we're probably seeing fewer calves in feedlots. All of these things should be bullish long term. I'm optimistic about the cattle market. I like where we closed today. Technically, this was a very positive close. I imagine we'll see some continuation tomorrow as we get into Tuesday. Then I wouldn't be surprised if we see some profit shakes taking here in the cattle trade. Another wild card continues to be the hog markets. Um, Hogs, again, we're waiting on China to step in as a big purchaser, and the Chinese government continues to be preoccupied with fighting a disease in its borders. They're buying hand to mouth for pork. Now, this last week, the Chinese government did come out and they have encouraged a lot of their domestic importers to increase their purchases of pork from all foreign countries. They really want to increase imports of pork into China. Chinese government does not want to be fighting coronavirus with a hungry population who is upset about food price inflation. It's a triple threat. Chinese government does not want to deal with it. So now they're actively encouraging their importers to get out there and buy pork and help stabilize food prices in that country. I think that's going to be bullish long term. Today we saw hogs come well off their lows. They were down uh, they traded at $61, they closed at 62.6250. So I mean, we gained a dollar 60 today in the hog market off the lows. Still ended 10 cents down in the April contract, but a nice move to the upside for intraday trading. We'll continue to watch lean hogs. Um, again, it's going to be predominantly headline driven if we can see imports into China increasing or if we start to see this coronavirus thing uh, fade into the background. If it, if it does turn out to be like SARS, more of a, a flash in the pan than a global pandemic, China will step in. They will start buying more hogs the uh the headwind i think for american pork is going to be the strength of the us dollar. now uh, we did see the dollar rebound very strongly at the end of the week last week it continues to be very strong today the trading was mostly flat. that does make our pork a little bit more expensive compared to our competitors around the world. so that is going to be a headwind we might not be the buyer of or the the exporter of first choice to china. but they need pork They need people eating protein and staying happy in China. I think they're going to step in and continue to buy our product. Folks, that's my quick roundup of the market news. I want to hear your insights. We'll be back next week with an interview with one of our actual experts. So do stay tuned. we love to have you tuning in with us on Market Monday. If you've got thoughts, as always, check us out on social media. Let us know what you think. If I'm wrong about anything, jump on there. Ag News Daily. Tell me what you think. Tell me what I can do better. Folks, have a great day.